0: And now that my properties in London, they run themselves basically. I have tenants there that I've had the same tenants for over 10 years, and the properties run really, really well.
1: You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you wanna live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.
2: Hey, Right Club Nation. It is Sarah Larby here and Alfonso Salemi, my wonderful co-host. And hello, wonderful co-host. How are you?
3: I'm doing great, Sarah. How are you?
2: Good, good. So I uh, just firmed up on a triplex in Hamilton that we will be burying and uh, refinancing right downtown. What's new with you?
3: That's awesome, Sarah. Congratulations on the triplex and doing that. That's a huge, huge deal. I love the Hamilton area. So you told me the address, so I'll definitely check it out and keep an eye on it when I'm in and around the city. But yeah, we're just continuing to grow, finding more rent-to-owns, finding a lot more clients. There's a lot, a lot of people out there that are having a tough time qualifying for mortgages. So, and you know what? We're seeing a lot more investors that are interested as well too coming to us. And and the strategy of rent-to-own is just becoming more and more popular. I before, when I used to say rent-to-own, people would look at me sideways and weird, and now it's kind of cool where they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of rent-to-own. Is it like this, this, and this? And it's so cool how it's becoming a little bit more popular, a lot more interest in this space for sure. And we're looking at uh, potentially another beach cottage in Port Stanley. So we have one under contract on the same street as we have two other ones. So. Again, it just fits our model, fits what we're trying to do out there and and to build more in those long-term holds and and vacation properties. We were talking about it, maybe recording an episode at one of your the cottages or your cottage up there as well, too. That'd be kind of cool. But uh, yeah, continuing to grow, really getting excited about the the upcoming events that we have planned for the rest of the year. And now looking into the fall season, really, really cool people and awesome people that now – are reaching out to us and want to become on our stages and, and speak to the Right Club Nation. And we're only going to find the best of the best at what they're doing and uh, being able to show their strategies and, and things like that to help our Right Club Nation to grow even more. So perfect example is uh, today's guest is Corey. He's been doing it, what is it 12, 14 years or something like that, that he's been investing, gone through the, you know the 08, 09 recession what everybody thinks is gonna eventually happen now with, with real estate and he was able to survive it and still trucking on and finding more. Really, really cool interview that he's in a few different market centers, London, St. Catharines, Vaughan, and he's just making it work. He's finding different ways to, to move cash flow out, to, to gain some equity, mortgage pay down, all those profit centers in, in, a, in a deal, right?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, it's a really awesome interview. He is a awesome guest and he's also a regular attendee at our Red Club event. So guys, if you're interested in meeting Corey, please feel free to come out to one of our events and the offer is still there. And if you haven't come out yet, come out to an event on us, just send us an email and we will, uh, we will get you in and I guarantee you guys will enjoy it and it is educational we are all about that, right? Training and educating and providing that knowledge so that the mistakes that we made learning, you guys don't have to. And, uh, and that is, uh, is a big piece of it. And just helping everybody grow as well.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love hearing this. Now that we've been doing it for just over two years, putting on these events and networking and getting people out there, I love the stories Sometimes I just get random phone calls or voice messages from people. It's just saying, hey, thanks. If it wasn't for the right club, I wouldn't have been able to do that deal or meet that person or find that joint venture partner. And that's what it's all about is let's just do more together. We can grow together and share from our experiences. And we, and we love doing it. That's what fuels us to keep doing this, these podcasts, waking up on Sunday mornings to do this and record that is to give that value to you guys. And when you're coming out to the events, have a goal in mind of what you want to accomplish before you leave that room. If it is to meet a money partner, to find a new strategy, to find a professional, whether it's a a lawyer, an accountant, a contractor, a property manager, somebody in that room, make a goal for that night, for that evening. And and let's try and let's try to achieve that goal and get that for you because it is about you and what you want to achieve. And everybody has different goals in their lives, in their real estate investing strategies, even on the day to day. So yeah, we're, we're happy to help and we want to do more of that. So I think we should get to the interview. Corey is just such a nice guy. Like I said, he's out at most of our events. So if you haven't met Corey, here's a little preview of what he does and uh, definitely come out to an event to, and to meet him there as well too.
2: All right, let's do it. Welcome to the show, Corey. How are you? I'm very good. I'm
3: very
0: good. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, we're uh, super excited to have you on. You are a longtime member, attendee of the Right Club, and thank you for all your support. And I, we wanted today to share your insights, your knowledge to the Right Club Nation and to the listeners because you've got a lot of great insights. And, uh, and so first question, how did you decide to get into real estate investing in the first place?
0: It, I'll say, unfortunately, it took a vent in my life, I'll say, when I got divorced. And I've been in the corporate world my whole life, went to school, came right out of school and got into the corporate world and kind of moved my way up there. And then at the age of 36, after the divorce and everything, it was basically starting over. And it came to me like a crashing idea that if this is the way I'm going, I'm just basically working paycheck to paycheck. And going to be doing that for the rest of my life, depending on Canada pension plan and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of realized really quickly that I needed to do something else to get ahead and didn't know what I wanted to do. I started researching, reading a bunch of books. I I think I've heard so many people talk about the Rich Dad series, which was the book that one of the first books that I read and tried to find out what I was going to do. I looked at insider or not insider trading. I looked at like day trading. I looked at opening a potential franchise and then got into real estate. And the thing that really set real estate apart for me was both, I'll say money was was the biggest thing, but also time. You know, with franchisees, you can own a franchise that can be very, very successful, but really all you're doing is buying yourself a career, buying yourself a job. You're you're at that franchisee working 12, 16, 18 hours a day trying to make you go forward. What I really loved about real estate was that once you buy a property and you develop that and get it to where you want to go, you can duplicate that and then scale. And, and so that was the big key for me is that I could manage my time and make money on the side. So that's really what got me into the real estate side.
3: That's awesome. And yeah, you're right. So many, so many of our listeners, so many of our, our guests on the podcast, even all the people that we meet at, at the live events at the right club, that book, the the rich dad, poor dad, and the following books after I've made such a huge impact on people's lives. So like, good on you for, for finding a different way. And and I love what you said too about the franchise, because I walked down that path as well too, is like being in sales most of my career, going in different paths, wanting to own my own shop or own something like that was always a dream. And you're right, is with the franchises and things like that, it's tough because you still have to be present. You still have to be there. Yeah. It's you still in a way trading your time for money, right? So- Yeah. So maybe fast forward a little bit. You read the books, you went through that. What does your portfolio look like today? What are you managing? What are you looking at acquiring? What's that look like today?
0: Yeah. So right now I own nine properties. I started out in London, Ontario, and I really was buying, I'll say distressed properties. And I was buying them, fixing them up and then refinancing them. It's actually kind of a bit funny story. I kind of tagged it. I I was calling it the self flip. And then when I heard the Burr strategy, I was kind of like, oh man, that's so much cooler name than what I call it. <laughs> so I, I will say I started out doing the Burr uh, strategy, not on purpose though. It was just that's what I could afford, or that's what I went after. I targeted distressed properties and then fixed them up and then refinanced them, and it it worked very well. From there, I went on. I bought some pre-built condominiums in Vaughan, bon, Ontario. And then most recently i bought in St. Catharines and there's a little bit of method to the madness. I started out the Vaughan condos I bought right at the new Vaughan Metropolitan, which is where the subway line has been extended to. I'm a big believer in the transportation effect. And then the same thing with St. Catharines. The reason why I'm looking in St. Catharines right now is the expansion of the GO station and uh, getting out to St. Catharines and and looking at the the type of property you could buy in St. Catharines while still working downtown Toronto is, is pretty incredible. You can't buy a studio condo in Toronto for what you can buy you know, a three bedroom, two bathroom house in St. Catharines. So once that go train gets set up, I'm looking at that appreciating quite nicely. So yeah, it's nine properties right now. The other thing I did is about nine years ago, my girlfriend and I decided to move in together I was living in a condo downtown. She had a townhouse in Bonn. So what we did is we just refinanced the properties, took the equity out, put a down payment on a house together and kept the two other houses or the condo and the townhouse and then moved in together. And it was kind of a neat concept. Neither of us spent any more money than we were spending when we lived alone. We added the two rental properties onto our portfolio and then we're able to move into a nice house together. So that was kind of nice. So yeah, that's uh, the portfolio as it is right now. I am looking right now. I'm looking for a couple more. I've got a couple of joint venture partners that are very, very interested. And uh, we're looking at places in St. Catharines right now. So looking to add a couple more within the next probably four to six weeks.
2: Okay. So... Lots of lots of great things. Lots of great questions. I can uh, I can pull from there. Now you're in three different markets. You mentioned so obviously the transportation effect. That is one of the key fundamentals to look for among many others. How is that working for you with like setting up a team? Because I'm guessing you're you're setting up different teams in different areas. And there's pros and cons, right? To either sit, staying in one specific area and becoming that you know soul. Expert in that one area versus looking at different fundamentals to see what makes sense. Can you briefly touch on that?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it's a huge factor. I did when I started out. I was focused in the London area, and my sole focus at the time it was almost I I learned a little bit about the real estate business, but probably not enough. And my sole focus at the time was really cash flow. And even though today, cash flow is king to me. I don't look at a property if I can't. Either if it doesn't cash flow or if I can't make it cash flow, but cash flow can't be the only thing you look at. And that was probably my biggest area or learning experience that I went through when I first started. I found areas in, in London, Ontario that could cash flow enormously. Like you'd buy a property for hundred, dollars $150,000 and it was cash flowing seven, eight, nine hundred $900 a month on paper. But to your point, if you don't have the team, the property management, all of that set up to do it right, in the long term, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. And that is honestly what happened to me. So I I went to London. I was buying the crappiest house on the crappiest street. And that was great when the economy was booming and the appreciation rate was like double digits. But when that economy turned in 2008, 2009, that became a major problem. So I didn't have the proper team set up. And I wasn't set up for success. It, it was it was working well when the economy was great. But when it turns, you got to be really careful. And that, to your point, is a big deal. So it was really tough when the economy turned in London. I had, I think, nine properties there at the time, 27 different doors. And it was a big learning experience really quickly. At one point, I was running at about a 50% vacancy rate. And the more I dug into it, and the more I looked into the properties, the more issues I had. So I didn't have a proper property management team. That was probably the biggest single thing, a mistake that I had that I didn't have that. I wasn't looking into that properly at the time. And again, I was just looking at cash flow. So there's nothing wrong with buying a distressed property and fixing it up. But if you buy a property and you fix it up and it's still two doors down from the local crack house, you're not getting very good tenants that want to live there. So to me, that was a, a big learning curve. I still buy distressed properties. I still fix them up, but I'm much more aware of, you know, buying the, the crappiest house on the nicest street that you can get. And, and you want to look at what kind of tenant are you trying to attract? So that was a, that was a big, a learning curve uh, for me. So it took a while. I've now owned properties in London for 10 years, 10 plus years. So it took a while to build that team. So I had a great real estate agent. I've scaled down my properties in London where I manage them myself now. And then from there, I changed my focus over to Vaughan, which is where I live. And I bought pre-built condominiums in Vaughan, so I'm very familiar with the area. And then going forward, now that I'm in St. Catharines, we talked about building the team. And that was a huge aspect to me. It was a lot of prep work done. I worked with a realtor that I know very well. I know a property management team. You know, I've now built that team up to be successful in St. Catharines. And I'm very, very confident. I've, I've built everything, the structure, so that if the economy does turn, I'm still set up for success. And that, that to me, is a key factor.
2: Hey, Right Club Nation, we'd like to take a short break from the podcast to introduce you to Ryan Carson, who is the leader and visionary at Carson Law. It's a firm based out of Burlington, Ontario, that provides legal services in the areas of residential and commercial real estate, corporate and business matters, estate planning and intellectual property.
3: Ryan has handpicked his legal and admin team who have developed an efficient process that can help with every aspect of the transaction. This includes acting on purchases, sales, refinances, receiving funding, reviewing contracts, drafting and reviewing joint venture and partnership agreements, assisting with private lending, and building the right corporate structure.
2: Right Club Nation, you will recognize Carson Law and his team as regular attendees and loyal supporters of our monthly meetings They possess the perfect balance of legal experience and desire to achieve client satisfaction that ensures each deal is successfully executed in a timely manner.
3: And by the way, even though there are main offices in Burlington, they have a mobile signing service that will send a lawyer to meet with clients, which is awesome. At Carson Law, you can count on their legal advice for home, for work, and for life. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to actually unpack that a little bit, that basically in 2008 and 9 when the U.S. was going through a big thing, obviously we felt an effect of that as well too. For a lot of investors that maybe didn't have properties before that time, what is some of the takeaways that you said now you are prepared? Obviously you have those key people in place, your teams, your management obviously maybe trades that you're working on these properties, but for all those people, you know, like the, the, the negative people out there that, Oh, the, the boom and the bubble is going to burst. It's coming eventually. What are some things that even if it does, it's not a big deal. I think people joke around with it. Oh, it will be great. Real estate will be on sale. But what are, what are some of the things that maybe if it does happen or if that were to happen again, things you would have wish you would have had in place. And now that maybe you do have in place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I, I stress to anybody getting into real estate investing or anybody that has a portfolio in real estate investing – to manage your properties like you're about to get hit by a recession. So just be on top of it. I see some of the things you do, Sarah, you have that list of what you look for in a proper tenant. I took my eye off that ball. Like it was a vacancy rate in 2006 was about zero. Like you could just put a place up and you'd get tenants and you'd fill it and it wasn't a problem. You really need to screen, you really need to manage, make sure your property manager is doing exactly what you want them to do and keep your eye on the ball. When you take your eye off the ball and and the economy turns, you don't know what's going on. And that's what happened to me. When I looked into it, and specifically looked into the property management, I was finding a bunch of discrepancies. Things weren't being done that said they were being done. And when things were all good, when I was at 100% occupancy, it didn't, I didn't really notice because I was still making money. But you really need to manage it like you're about to hit or you're in a recession. Because if you do that, then when, you do, when a recession does hit, or I won't even call it a recession, just a, a real estate cycle, you're prepared. So you need to make sure you're getting the maximum rents you can get The properties are kept to the appropriate level that you want them kept to your property management, whether it's hired outside or you're doing it is done at the level you expect. And then that way you can ride out the real estate cycles because you're right when the real estate cycle dips and your property's cash flowing, you're fine. But the problem is when you, when you have 27 units and you're at a 50% vacancy rate, that's trouble. And it really took a while for me to get through that. I was actually going down. You know, I'll say every Saturday I was getting up at about 4.35 a.m. in the morning. I was putting a sleeping bag, an air mattress, and a lawn chair in the, in the back of the car along with all my tools, cleaning up all the yards, doing all the maintenance, painting, and staying there all weekend just because I was bleeding money. I was bleeding about three or $4,000 cash a month, losing. I, I at one point thought I was going to hit bankruptcy and, and kind of wanted to get out of this whole thing. I was like, I just want to sell this portfolio and get out of this. But I was able to get through it. I don't recommend everybody going, you know, putting a sleeping bag in the back of their car and sleeping in a vacant unit. But I had to do what I had to do to get through the situation. I did that. I turned it around. I cleaned up the properties. And now that my properties in London, they run themselves, basically. I have great tenants that I've had for, I've had, I have tenants there that I've had the same tenants for over 10 years. And the properties run really, really well. So yeah, just short term pessimism. For long-term optimism is, is the word I'll say or the saying that
3: I'll, I'll call it. I love that. I, I love that. A healthy level of pessimism, right? You need to have a healthy level. You can't be always negative anything. And and, I, and before, uh, before I know Sarah's going to ask a question right now, but before, I, I want to say kudos to you, Corey, is that that's, that's tough. When your properties are bleeding three, four grand a month and you're sleeping in your properties and doing what you have to do, that's the stuff that it takes to be successful in this business is to persevere through that kind of stuff. When everything's appreciating and cash is coming through the door, it's easy to say, hey, I'm an investor and it's great, but it's getting through <laughs> those tough times that really, really make it. So so kudos to you and, and, and awesome for you to keep persevering through it and, and getting to where you have now. So I just want to add that. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, and the other thing that's important is it's not if the market changes or goes down, it's a matter of when. So, some when. cycles can Absolutely. be 10 years, some cycles can be more, some cycles can be less, and how severe is it going to be as well. And, like you mentioned, the cash flow piece, just making sure that you've got nice properties in decent areas. Not necessarily the top of the market properties because at some point, I personally, I love investing in the bottom third, not the ghetto, but the bottom third. So like just the entry level types of homes, blue collar, where if somebody needs to get something a little bit cheaper because they're living in some more luxurious place, they go down to mine. And uh, if somebody just wants a nice clean place, they're in mine already. So for me, it's not like you said, it's not all about cash flow, but it helps you take the ups and downs of the markets. When needed, absolutely. When needed.
0: Yeah, cash flow. You know, I'll, I'll say it isn't the only thing we talked about that, but it, to me, it is the litmus test. If, if you can't make a property cash flow, if it doesn't cash flow, or you can't put renovations in it to make it cash flow. I can't do it just because as, as you scale your properties, I have nine or ten. Alfonso, you're over a hundred. If they're not cash flowing, you, you can go in a lot of trouble really fast. So. Cash flow is the litmus test, but it ultimately isn't what drives the rate of return on an investment, right? The, the, the leverage and the appreciation on the property, that's what's going to drive the high double digit rates of return on investment. So you got to kind of, it isn't just one factor. And That's the one thing I stress. People ask me all the time, you know, what's the one factor? Unfortunately, it's not that simple. Yes, I look at cash flow, has the cash flow but it's not one factor. There's a multitude of factors that come into deciding what the property goes into.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I love the mortgage pay down, and then the appreciation is the icing on the cake, but looking back, I've probably made more money off appreciation. Like, So whether I actively did it through renovations, or I just bought at the right house very, very quickly, because I, I became a market expert in a specific market, and it was already below market, That's actually how I've made the majority of my money, of course, have done some cash flow, but the cash flow isn't as much as it's actually going to be when you're looking at the appreciation on buying the right house or the mortgage pay down. That's, uh, I don't know about you, Corey, but that's where I've made most of my money so far.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Cash flow is great. And and I never take cash flow out of a property. I keep it in there for, you know, long-term renovations or if I'm buying out or selling, eventually that money goes back to either myself or a joint venture. Partner and that cash flow is great, but it's usually between you might make five, ten. If you're lucky, you might make 15% on cash flow. But if property appreciates eight or 10% in a year or in a couple of years, like those condos down at the Vaughan Metropolitan Center, they're appreciating it. Well, they have they slowed down a little bit now, but 15, 20% a year, you can't make that rate of return. When you only have 20% down and it's going up 10% per year, it's that multiplying factor that that. 10% times 5 because you only have 20% down is 100% rate of return on your investment. That's pretty good. You're not going to make 100% rate of return on your investment through cash flow. But your cash flow keeps you afloat. Cash flow is is so important. And then you talk about the mortgage pay down too. That's that's an extremely important thing. You're not going to invest in a property for the mortgage pay down. You're only making on average between 25 and, and maybe 3.5% per year on your mortgage pay down. But when you add that to your cash flow and to your... Appreciation rate, that's what really separates real estate apart from other investments in my mind.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And like we've had some good years in the past, and it's not to say that every single year it's going to go up 10. 20%, 15%. I mean, those to me are anomalies, but even if you conservatively look at 4% and then you look at your mortgage pay down and then based on, depending on how much you've got as the down payment, usually I'm factoring in about 5% for the mortgage pay down plus the cash flow. I'm like, I can't invest in the stock market. Like if I just put my money in the stock market, I maybe I'm going to make 8% maybe over time, but it just, it doesn't compare to the amount of of ROI we can get into real estate for sure.
0: Um, No, And you hit it on the head. That, that 15%, 10%, 15% is an anomaly. I don't, I don't practice or, or tell any clients or partners of mine that we're going to get a 10% appreciation rate on any year. You can make a lot of money and a fantastic rate of return at between 3 and 5% of appreciation. As professional investors, if you look at the average appreciation rate over Canada being you know somewhere between 3 and 5 Hopefully we can beat that. We'll find the areas that are, are, are primed for growth and all that. If you can hit 5% appreciation rate on a property and you have cash flow and your mortgage pay down, you'll do very, very well.
2: Absolutely. Now, the other thing I was going to say is if there's a certain market that you're looking at, like St. Catharines, and it's in a different phase, maybe it's it's moving up, you could be in a different market three hours away in a whole different cycle. And so it's important to really understand what cycle you're in and then to calculate all of that.
0: Absolutely. That, so, that's a key factor for sure.
2: Good. So Corey, you mentioned we a couple times, you mentioned joint ventures. Um, how are you financing? How are you acquiring your current portfolio?
0: Yeah, I uh, I, I got into joint ventures. I think like most investors, I bought a couple of properties and and quickly ran out of cash. And uh, so I had to look at a joint venture and Uh, So I actually, it's a a bit of a funny story for myself anyway. I took a seminar a few years back, uh, quite a few years back actually, on joint ventures and put together a package. I'm originally from Edmonton and I was going back to Edmonton to meet up with some friends of mine and had put this joint venture package together to uh, present to them and just was at work and a good friend of mine was a financial analyst at work. And I asked him to take a look at this joint venture package. And uh, so he took it home on the weekend and he looked through that joint venture package, came back on Monday, had a few suggestions on things I could change to make it a little bit easier to look at. And then asked me basically if I've already presented this to my friends. And I said, no, I haven't yet. I'm going back there next week. And he said, well, what if I gave you a $75,000 check today? Oh, okay. I'll uh, <laughs> So... That was my first joint venture partner. So it's basically a standard joint venture. It's a 50-50 split. And he had put the mortgage under his name as well. So we've done a a few properties together now, but that's basically how I work the the system is is a 50-50 split of profits and have the joint venture partner put the mortgage under their name. I have done a few under my name as well, but it, it varies. Everything's custom, right? You're, you're going to work to what works best for everybody involved. But it really is. It's opened up a huge door to keep going in this real estate investment world. Otherwise, you you do get capped out a little bit. Now, there is opportunities. I'm, I've done some renovations on a triplex. I'm, I'm just in the midst of refinancing that. and I'm going to buy another property on my own. But that joint venture door, as people see, and especially now that I've been doing this for 12, 13 years and people have seen the money that is available, I actually have people kind of coming to me saying, you know, what is this? How do I get into this? How can I get involved? How much money do I need to get involved in? So as long as you're able to custom everything to work specifically for their needs, it opens up a huge door for you to keep going forward.
3: Yeah. And that's amazing. So many people get stuck on, well, I don't have the money to invest, right? Or they do get capped out at the first or second property or third property that they do. And they want to keep growing and they see it. And I always say, once you see it, you can't unsee it, right? So it's tough <laughs> to you know invest in real estate, be successful. And then you go back to that nine to five and it's like, well, I, I got to do more. I want to do more. So that's awesome that you reached out. You went back to Edmonton, reached out to people that you knew and that you just started from the group of people that you knew and, and, and went from there. And now like you said, it's gone the other way where people are approaching you to do that. And 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 obviously we, we use it at the same way at JAG is the 50-50 the model, right? The the investor or our partner is qualifying for the mortgage providing the capital. And it creates a true partnership because for them to be successful, you want to be you want them to be successful for you to be successful. Everybody's got their a stake in the game where I kind of say they're all rolling in the same direction. Right, where we're all trying to be profitable and helping them, right? And
0: the other key with with a joint venture partnership in real estate, at least the way my program works, if, if the investor or the my partner doesn't make money, I don't make any money. So it really is all in. Like you can go through a lot of work, and after five years, if that property hasn't appreciated or you haven't made any money, you've done five years worth of work for nothing. And I don't think our RSP salespeople can can claim that. They're going to take their fees no matter what. And uh, so. I'm a little bit like I'm in my late 40s so so the group that I kind of hang out with or, or know the best they have generally a little bit of money in RSPs, a lot of equity in their homes and it's just showing them what they can do with that. Your house is appreciating it at three or five percent. That's great. you own hundred percent of it. but what would happen if you took hundred thousand dollars out of that and invested it in a real estate option? how much more money you can make. And same with your RSPs, you know, you have, you have RSPs, and that's great. You're making the last few years, probably losing a little bit of money, but you're not going to be in double digit growth and just being able to show them what they can do and, and minimizing those risks, showing them that real estate really isn't a risk. We all know there's real estate cycles, but if you build it right and you do everything right, you'll ride those out and, and make a lot more, a lot better rate of return in the end.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't come without its risks, but for me, it's just more calculated risk. I mean, and you mentioned RSPs and mutual funds, and I could have a conversation for an hour about how much I hate them. But here's the issue is like, let's just say you make 7%. Then you take out 3% because you're paying these crazy high MER fees. So now you're left with 4 or 5%, let's just say, depending on the fees. And then you've got inflation. Inflation every year, 2%, 3%. So like literally you're probably actually making maybe two to 3% depending on the fees and depending on inflation. But why would I want to put my money to make just that?
3: And the thing that you didn't mention, Sarah, is no control. You don't get to choose where you're investing that, right? (laughs) Corey, Sarah, myself, we get to go and choose. Okay. I want to go and buy this house on that street. And maybe it's not always the best or the version of it, but again, we have that control of it. It's like, you know, I always kind of equate it going to the casino. Okay. You can just go and feed the slot machine and pull the arm and the wheels are just going to do what they want to do. And you just lose that money. Or, you know, that sense of control where you can go to the blackjack table and you can say hit or stay, but at least you made that decision. If you lose, you can say, Hey, well, at least I said hit and, and it didn't, and it didn't go my way. So the control of that as well. And, and what you've done in, in those specific market areas that you mentioned in London and Vaughn and in, in St. Catharines is that, you are in control of the areas, the, the, the properties that you want to be in and that what you forecast of what's going to be happening in that area, right?
0: Absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you guys about the thoughts on RSPs. I'm, I'm not a big fan.
2: Cool. So the next part of our, our podcast is our famous lightning round. So Corey, we're actually going to be asking you a series of four questions. And are you ready?
0: I am
1: ready. It's now time for the lightning round. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Sarah Larby. Sarah's goal is to help other Canadians create wealth and retire earlier through real estate investing. Ever wonder how to find, screen, and manage the very best tenants? Go to www.sarahlarby.com to download her free guide. How about where to invest? If so, Sarah is also giving away a free checklist to determine where you will want to buy your next investment property. Check it out on her website.
2: All right, so here's question number one. Corey, what is the best advice that you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event?
0: You know what? I've already quoted it earlier in the event. So I'll say short-term pessimism, long-term optimism. So just manage your properties like the world's ending tomorrow to make sure that they work well, no matter what kind of real estate cycle you're in, is a huge thing. Just keep your eye on the ball, manage your properties properly, and you'll be okay in the end
3: love that. It's Absolutely a real estate
0: it. it's, really a, it's a, a long-term play. It, it's like the long-term version of watching water boil. If you if you watch your real estate over over a weekly basis, you're not going to see many changes, but if you look back in a few years, you're going to see that $300,000 property is now worth $500,000. So it's
3: really the long-term play.
2: Great analogy, love it.
3: Love it. Love it. All right, question number 2. What is your favorite real estate investing resource?
0: Uh, it's a great question. You know what? I'm going to have to say podcasts. Podcasts have really changed my life over the past couple of years. Maybe not even the last couple of years, maybe the last year. I, you know, Alfonso, I've heard you say it too. I didn't know what a podcast was two years ago. I'm kind Thank of obsessed you, with these things now. Okay. I spend a lot of time in my car and I listen to these podcasts and they just add a lot of value like you guys in particular uh Sarah your your podcast it just the guests you bring on the different perspectives and you know every time you listen to a podcast and you hear a new guest uh, and what they do then you can go back home and you you know go on their website and and figure out a few more details and it's just added a ton of value and yeah so far and away for me podcasts
2: Amazing. That is probably one of my favorite as well, as well as actually networking and attending events. So question number three, what is the one attribute that has made you most successful?
0: I'll call it resilience. We talked about going through the recession and everything. And at one point, just ready to throw my arms up and uh, sell out my properties and go back to the nine to five. Uh, but just stay with it. Again, it's a long-term game make sure you manage everything properly stay with it keep going for new investors learn what you can listen to the podcast get out to the right club learn what you can and then blaze your own path and move forward so i'll definitely say resilience and and just keep going forward
3: absolutely and i think every every investor has to have that little bit of resiliency if you if you're going to turn away your first sight of a a negative result or something like that you're you're not going to get you're not going to become successful you have to you have to power through and get through that stuff. So, um, yeah, all right. So the last question of the lightning round, it's Sunday morning today. And I don't know about every Sunday morning if you're recording podcasts, but what is a typical <laughs> Sunday morning look like for you, Corey?
0: Well, I don't know if there's an actual typical because everyone's on the go so much. I'll say that, you know, if, if I can get the family together on a Sunday morning, that's the perfect Sunday for me. So I have uh, a girlfriend of the last 10 years with a stepdaughter and I have a 15 year old son. If I can somehow corral them into the same house and get them all together and just hang out with them, that would be the perfect Sunday for me. I won't say unfortunately, but you know, people have schedules and it's generally all over the place. So yeah, that 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 would be a fantastic Sunday. Uh, just spending time hanging out with the family. Awesome.
2: Amazing. Corey, if our Right Club Nation, our listeners wanted to reach out and know more about you, where can they go?
0: Uh, they can go a few places. So my website is coreyfrock.com. That's C-O-R-Y F-R-O-C.com. And you can email me at corey at coreyfrock.com. I'm also on Instagram at investments. And those are primarily if you go to any of those and you can drop me a line there and I'll we can chat live
3: awesome and thank you so much for your time today Corey, and, and sharing your wisdom and knowledge and the experience that you have in your investing career are there any last words of advice or anything that you'd like the right club nation to know
0: well you know what i want to thank you guys for what you do and what you bring to everybody i think the right club and the podcasts educating people helping new investors and experienced investors i won't just call it new investors is fantastic and, and the amount of time and effort that you guys put into that is amazing. I consider myself a somewhat seasoned investor, yet I'm learning things from from you and the right club on a weekly, monthly basis all the time. I really, really appreciate it. And I know there's a ton of other listeners that do as well. So thank you guys for what you do.
3: Thank you. And and we love we love doing this and, and we get to have amazing conversations with awesome investors and meet incredible people. So yeah, thank you very much, Cory and we appreciate the kind
1: words.
2: Yes, thank you, You're Corey. Welcome. You are, you know, full of insights and knowledge. And, guys, Corey is a regular at our Right Club meetups or Right Club community. He comes out every single month. And thank you for supporting the community and everything that you do.
0: Thank you very much. All right, take care. Thanks, Corey. Bye for now.
3: What a great interview we had with Corey, Sarah. Such an amazing guy. What a great story. He went through some some personal adversity and then obviously the market, but he was able to be resilient, get through it, and continue to grow his portfolio.
2: Yeah, it was was definitely very interesting, and it's great to see just how he's been able to scale, how he's been able to overcome the market downturn, what he's learned from it, and this is really invaluable for somebody that's listening, that's just getting started understanding that there's going to be ups and downs and what to do and how to buy for yourself to be able to support those market cycles and the dips and the peaks is absolutely crucial. And I'm glad that Corey went through that. I mean, he's uh, he's definitely very, very knowledgeable and provided some really great insight.
3: For sure. And it's not a matter of if there are going to be problems or issues or obstacles that get in your way. It's just a matter of when and, and how you deal with them. right? And and that's why we're kind of excited. On our website, we have a book or an ebook, great resource for you guys to go check out. What is the top obstacles or the biggest obstacles or challenges by other real estate investors? So we've taken a collective of I don't even know. I think it's over twenty or thirty different investors within our network of people throughout the industry. And they shared their challenges of what would made it difficult for them to invest and in how they got over it. And it didn't stop them. Maybe it slowed them down a little bit, made them take a step back or sideways, but they got over it and they were able to continue on. And we want to share that with you because like we said, it's not if, it's just when that challenge comes and and, and how prepared you are to overcome them.
2: Absolutely. A lot of the insight is provided by very, very experienced investors that have gone through many different challenges, and they're really sharing their biggest obstacles. And so it's free. Like, we just put it on the, on the website. I mean, it'll cost you an email address, but essentially it's free. At some point, I think we're going to take it down. I don't know if we're going to be charging for it when we do our online portion of the Right Club, but we wanted to offer it to you guys for listening, for being here with us, for really supporting us. So this is our our gift back to you. And so if you have any questions about it, once you go through it, please reach out to us. If you also wanna come out to one of our Right Club events, you can email me at sarah at RightClub.com or alfonso at rightclub.com and we would love to hear from you we'd love feedback and thank you guys for those of you that are listening that have gone ahead and left a rating and a review and subscribe thank you and uh, thank you for all of your support it uh, it truly means the world to us
3: absolutely and just to echo what you're saying sarah we we love when we get that feedback or hey why don't we there's a few guests now that have been brought to us attention by other listeners that are saying hey they should listen we should have them on the podcast they'd be a great resource and we want to get as many stories people's experiences out there as possible. I forget which event it was where I was up on stage and I was asking all the different people of all the different strategies that they've at least worked on once. And I think it came up to be like over 20 different strategies of people doing it. So there's such a variety of, of ways that we can be in this real estate world together. And the challenges that we face are all very similar. Whether you're doing like high-rise condo buildings, birth strategies, rent-to-owns, there's still challenges right financing, how do you find partners, how do you find deals, where do you go, who do you work with? That's what we want to come and build together, is work together on finding those and and, and knocking down all those challenges. We're not saying we're going to knock down every single one of them, but it's just another way or another approach to tackle it. So, yeah, thank you guys for being loyal listeners. Thank you for for being at our events. We're looking forward to to growing even more, having more people at our events, having awesome speakers amazing presentation if there's anything that you guys want to hear or think that we should do more of or something that we should do less of just let us know we're really able to adapt and build this for you guys so yeah awesome awesome podcast yes. today, Sarah and uh, again thank you so much for for being an amazing co-host and and asking really good questions because there's a few questions that you asked today too I was like yeah that's awesome so fantastic ditto,
2: ditto back to you and right club nation Come grow with us and thank you for your support.
3: See you next time. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.